You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Late Night Live. Hot topics discussed daily from 11pm onwards. Get involved by calling 0141-375-3434 or search Radio Ramadan 365. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to Radio Ramadan 365, broadcasting from Glasgow on 87.7 FM, all around the world on RadioRamadan.scot if you're listening in. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to another amazing show we're going to have tonight. Let me introduce my co-presenter, Abu Bakr. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you today, Zain? Alhamdulillah, I'm good, I'm good. And, uh, and, you know, it's just so amazing that we're in the last ten nights and we're halfway through these ten nights. There's not long to go until Eid comes around. And, uh, you know, the month has just flown by as it always does, isn't it, Abu Bakr? Indeed, indeed, it's uh, been a mad one still. <laughs> yeah, it has. It's just been crazy. Obviously, we, we, we do our fasting throughout the day, doing our bits and bobs, and then before you know it, We're in the studio here at Abu Bakr's place and uh, we're live on air on, on Radio Ramadan. Now, subhanAllah, yesterday we had an amazing show. It was all about racism and does it still exist. Some amazing talking points from the panel, our guests that were on last night. And uh, the feedback on last night's show was, was amazing. A lot of people asking for recordings, which are being released slowly and uh, I am sharing them amongst our listeners. So if you are looking for a recording of some of the shows, if you missed part of them or you just want to listen in again, please feel free to contact me or contact Radio Ramadan uh, direct on Facebook and on any other social media. Now, uh, tonight's show is, is a very informative show and we've got a great couple of guests that will be joining us. But before we do that, we always like to start our shows off the right way with a recitation of the Holy Quran. Now, tonight's recitation is, is one that's from someone that's close to my heart, close to many of our hearts here in Glasgow. So please enjoy tonight's recitation of the day. Today's recitation of the day is by the one and only Sheikh Suhaib Hussain from Glasgow, يا بني إسرائيل اذكروا نعمتي التي أنعمت عليكم وأوفوا بعهدي أوف بعهدكم وإياي فارهبون وآمنوا بما أنزلتم صدقا لما معكم ولا تكونوا أول كافر به ولا تشتروا بآياتي ثمنا قليلا وإياي فاتقون ولا تلبسوا الحق بالباطل ولا تلبسوا الحق بالباطل وتكتموا الحق وأنتم تعلمون وأقيموا الصلاة وآتوا الزكاة واركعوا مع الراكعين أتأمرون الناس بالبر وتنسون أنفسكم وتنسون أنفسكم وأنتم تتلون الكتاب أفلا تعقلون واستعينوا بالصبر والصلاة 
واستعينوا بالصبر والصلاة وإنها لكبيرة إلا على الخاشعين الذين يظنون أنهم ملاقوا ربهم Subhanallah, what a beautiful recitation there by Sheikh Suhaib Hussain, someone that means a lot to me and a lot to Yabu Bakr and to so many around Glasgow and even across the UK. His recitation is beautiful and alhamdulillah we have someone that's just so amazing in our community, a young Sheikh that brings together many of the youth and for anyone that visits Masjid al-Farouk you will be you know excited to see him whenever you go along and uh, yeah that, I just really wanted to get him on tonight's show we, we get all these famous sheikhs that are well known but uh, Sheikh Zuhayb is a voice that is, is so special to hear now look let's bring on to tonight's show tonight's show is all about working abroad the pros and cons and Abu Bakr is going to kick off the show We've all dreamt it, moving abroad, a nice job, a walk on the beach every evening and enjoying good halal food. But what does it really take? Is it that simple? Tonight we discuss with our guests what living abroad really is like. Is it what it's made out to be? Let's find out. Yeah, thanks for that Abu Bakr. So yep, tonight's show is all about working abroad. Many of us think about it. We want to know what the pros are and the cons. And I've got two amazing guests joining us tonight. Uh, that have worked abroad and are going to be sharing their experiences with us. So, first of all, let's introduce a new voice onto tonight's show, someone that was helping me a lot before Eji Ramadan kicked off this year with, with the show, and uh, he's joining us tonight for the first time. So, Brother Fazil Majid, how are you? I'm great. Samakam. Like Sam Fazil. Yeah, great to hear your voice. How are you doing? How's your Ramadan been? Ramadan's been good, alhamdulillah. It's, uh, it's been a bit different from other Ramadans, obviously been in lockdown, but alhamdulillah it's been going well so far. Alhamdulillah, look I can't can't wait to hear your stories tonight and, and your advice about you know your stories abroad and also joining us today is a voice that you've heard a few times on the show, it's our dear brother Faraz Ali from Birmingham, Assalamu alaikum Faraz. Waalaikum salam Zen, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm okay. I just, uh, every time I come on, I'm not sure what to say to you. Nothing's <laughs> changed here. I've been sat at home again all day. Okay. Um, yeah, getting a bit boring now. Yeah, it is, man. Any, anyway, any news for us on, on Liverpool winning the, the league? <laughs> uh, the news has been the same. From day one, we are going to win the league, whether people like it or not. What's this? I mean, they're looking to they're looking to get football back underway in uh, I think mid June. I mean, if it doesn't get back underway, then they'll still sort the table out one way or another. But um, the title's coming back to Liverpool, no matter what. So it's good news. I'm I'm guessing. For us, then. have you been catching up with uh, German football then? I was. I've, I've spent the weekend watching the games um, uh, from the Bundesliga, and it's a little bit odd because all all game they've been jumping into each other and tackling and pushing and pulling at set pieces and all sorts and then uh, as soon as someone scores a goal they're not actually supposed to be touching each other yeah so they're all banging their elbows against each other and they were all stood two meters apart doing dances <laughs> and it, it, it's a little bit ridiculous to, to be watching it but it's just surreal seeing that there's no fans there so you can hear everything you can hear yeah. the coaches screaming and the substitutes and all sorts but it, it just goes to show just how much fans that make this make sport as a whole really no definitely and it's it's really interesting to see that i mean it's great you mentioned the bundesliga because 
one of our uh, guests tonight was in was spent a lot of time in Germany uh, during his studies. So yeah, let's start off. Let's kick the show off. Uh, so let's start with Fazil, right? Now Fazil, I want you to tell us all about the story. So obviously you you went to to work abroad and study. You know, tell mm-hmm. me how it all came about. Where you studied. Let the audience know tonight that are listening to Late Night Live how how yeah. the journey happened for you. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so. The, the way that I went abroad was through university, uh, so it was mainly to study. Um, I didn't really work abroad that much. Uh, it was more a uh, study abroad experience through uni. Okay. So um, I studied mechanical engineering at university, and in my third year, I had the opportunity to go abroad. So it was through Erasmus. So that's basically an, a European exchange. Okay. You can go to different universities throughout Europe and study there for a, either a semester or a full year. So I had the chance of going to Munich for a full year. Um, oh. So that was, that was an amazing experience. Um, I, I went to Munich and uh, attended all the classes and stuff like that. And um, uh, I took up a couple of part-time jobs as well in Germany as well. So okay. that was a really cool experience. Amazing. Now, and, and, and uh, you know, it's great, great way to start the show off by, by hearing the way that you, you went abroad, obviously, to study. Now, Faraz yeah. obviously went a different way. Faraz, tell us about your story, how, how you ended up abroad. Um, well, um, I was looking for a, for a teaching position, really, and I was applying all sorts of places online um, through, uh, through you know, your local regular job sites like, like Indeed, etc. And, and, okay. and going through a lot of agencies and was getting a lot of um, feedback back from a lot of agencies saying, yeah, we'll take you on it. And to be honest, I think I could have gone, gone abroad. I, I, I left Saudi Arabia in end of 2015 now. Um, currently looking to, to go back out to the Middle East, but I, I, I was last out abroad in, at the end of 2015, and I could have gone a couple of years earlier, but um, I was very, very cautious about where I was going to go and who I was going to end up working for because yeah, there was so much dodgy stuff was going on, man, when I first started applying for jobs. Um, I mean, I, I was applying to, to agencies trying to get, get a job as an English teacher, and I had like these agents, you know, these recruitment agents yeah. emailing me back and saying, oh, um, you know, we need another couple of years experience. Uh, why don't you add a couple of years experience onto your CV and send it back to me and I can get you in? Okay. And so I was thinking to myself, just looking at these emails, I was thinking, what, what's, what's actually, hap- what am I reading? Like, what's going on here? Because <laughs> you, you're thinking, you know what, I'm applying through an agency and everything is going to be legitimate and, and above board. But I've got, this, got these guys sending my, my CV back and saying, why don't you add something here and add something there? And I, I think from day one, I realized that um, it's, it's a big business getting people out abroad. Um, and obviously, these guys, they're getting their own fees on top for recruiting people and, and yeah. all sorts. So um, I was very, very wary. As soon as I, I had something like that come back to me, it, it, was, it was a straight up no for me. I, I wouldn't pursue anything. But um, eventually, my friend, who was a, who was a maths teacher, um, he, he told me about um, um, an advert for a British college that were recruiting in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Now, um, obviously, just... Uh, the fact that they're a British college, a British company, it just breeds familiarity, doesn't it? So I thought, you know what, it seems like a safer bet than working for, a, for an Arab company. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's just the way that I was being approached for some of these companies, which was a bit dodgy. Okay. Um, and, th- and then, yeah, me and my friend decided to, to apply um, through this recruitment agency for this British college. 
um, um, the government, however, give were just giving money to to loads of education providers to come and run colleges in Saudi Arabia, and this particular British institution was one of them. And um, yeah, got an e- got an email back and uh, was told that, but I'd have an interview in a in a hotel in Manchester. Um, I went down. I think it was on a Saturday, and there were like couple of dozen other people there to be honest there were like 20 other guys there okay. and we were being taken into a room one by one and then we were going through an interview we had to do an interview face-to-face interview then we had to teach a mock lesson to the interview panel um wow. and that was the whole process it was all done in one day at this uh, uh i think it was a, a radisson hotel in, in manchester okay. um and alhamdulillah me and my my, my math teacher friend we both got the job yeah, amazing. Alhamdulillah. It's then then began the long process of getting out there, yeah. Right, so I want to ask you guys a question. So what was what was the what was the reason that you wanted to move abroad? What was the buzz? Why did you want to move abroad? Uh, let's start with Fazil. Fazil, what was what, why did you want to go? Why did you want to go to Germany and study there? Yeah, what was the motive? Well, when I first joined uni, um they they kind of told us up from the start that later on in in the course we'll we'll have that chance to go abroad either whether that be in our third year or our fourth year or fifth year, we'll have that chance of going abroad. So that really appealed to me and I thought that would be a really cool opportunity to take take up. Um, so I just I just really went for that. And also my, my older brother, he actually done that before I went to university as well. Okay. He'd done the same course as me and he he done he went to Germany as well for his um, master's course. Okay. For his master's project, I think. Hum- and um, so after he went he came back and obviously told the stories and stuff like that. So it was, it was <laughs> And really, then that got you hyped really up, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was really inspiring to see and I just thought it'd be cool, cool to do that as well. No, alhamdulillah. I mean, yeah. I remember when you went away and I was seeing it all. I was like, oh, wow, so Fazil's away to... First I thought it was a holiday, then it turned out a couple of months later that you were <laughs> you were moved over there. So it looked really really cool. So, okay, I get it. So obviously you're from your brother and from what you've seen there, that kind of got you got you into to doing it. Fizio, yeah. what, what was your parents' reaction when you decided to move away from the year? Because that must have been hard on your parents, you know, your yeah, said that, I mean, my mum was obviously the most kind of iffy about it because obviously I'm, I'm going to be away for that long. Yeah. It's like a full year of being away. But, I mean, eventually I kind of convinced them that I'll be all right. I'll, I'll be fine living on my own. Because I was quite young at the time as well. I think it was about... 19 when I first went okay. so obviously at that time you're going going away for a full year abroad to a different country um, so it would kind of be a bit concerning for them for your parents but definitely um, my older brother I guess he was the guinea pig first <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it kind of made it alright for me to go with it later on yeah see it always helps when you've got the older brother's done it and he can obviously yeah. take your side as well you know big up a deal by the way and uh, for, uh sorry for us i mean you know you've you went away and i know you're quite passionate about when you went to saudi so what was the passion why did you want to go abroad so much like you were saying you were going through all these job adverts and and chasing it and you went along to manchester for your assessment day what was the reason that you wanted to go away so much is it one of those things you wanted to tick off your list or what what was it um, I think one of the primary motivations was 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 the the financial side of it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, not going to lie. I mean, tax free salaries that are sort Amazing. of thirty percent above anything that you would would get here in the in the UK. I mean, uh, with with all your benefits and everything paid for, you can't really go wrong, could you? And um, 
I thought my friend was applying uh, abroad as well. He was looking for a job job at the same time, and I thought, you know what, it would be good just to go out and and, and live in a, a new experience, really, and just just get out abroad, save some money, because I think I was in my mid twenties at, at, around that time, and wasn't a lot going on for me at that at that time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just I was just thinking, you know what, let's let's just try and get out of here and, and try and do something. All right. Yes. Um, it's, it's interesting. And, and yeah, just I mean, I'd, I'd never been. I think I was speaking to you last week. Um, was it this week about about, about Umrah and, and visiting the, the Makkah and Medina? And there's something that I'd never done before. So obviously that was another motivation to go as well. And just thinking, you know what, I don't, I don't have to fork out thousands of pounds to to go and do that. I could do that whilst I was there. So okay. um, yeah, there were a, f- a, f- a few different reasons, but um, but yeah, definitely I think the the whole. Live, living in a new culture and, and definitely the financial side of things when it comes to working abroad are usually primary motivations. Okay, so now obviously you've 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 got everything together. You passed your interview for Zeal, I'm guessing, got accepted onto his course. So you know you you've, you're all excited. You're ready to go. What were the kind of preparations that you had to make before you went out? Obviously, Fazil was had to convince his mum, and for you, Fraz, you're a bit older, so you could kind of just say, "I'm away," and that's it. So, and I know you wanted to get out of Birmingham probably quite a lot, and <laughs> but but you know what it is like. What what was what was the preparations you guys made? Like, uh, so for Fazil, you can tell us to begin with. Birmingham's fantastic, by the way. I don't know why you're giving us a bad press. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, so, I Fazil, what, what did you have to do to prepare before you moved? For myself, I think the main thing which I had to do was save up money. Saving up money was probably the main thing okay. to make sure that was because I wasn't going out to work. I was going out there to study. Right. And obviously, I would have to save up a considerable amount of money to to be able to survive out there. And uh, in order to do that, I took on some part-time jobs. I had a part-time job throughout the year. Um, and I worked like a summer summer internship as well. Made made some money through that. Okay. Um, I applied for some grants. Um, I ended up getting a grant through as well from wow. uh, one of the institutions which support my course. Wow, so they ended up paying two grand okay. just up front for just for applying for that. Wow. So I think the main thing was just making sure that I was I had enough money. To, to be able to survive out there. Okay, and then obviously you've you've got your money together, right? And did you have yeah. to find a place to live, or did they provide yeah. accommodation for that, you? That was that was a big thing as well. Like just thinking about how um like, where to where to rent, what places to look for. Okay. So luckily for me, uh, I got an email through a few weeks before I end up going. What I was planning on doing was um, just going out and kind of viewing a few places when I get there, but. And obviously living living in a hostel to begin with. Okay. I wouldn't have been that ideal. But luckily, a few weeks before I went, uh, I got an email through offering to to take up student accommodation. Right. Usually, I mean, in Germany, it's stud- getting student accommodations is not the same as here. It's really competitive. Okay. Like people people apply for it two years before they actually move into the place. Like literally two years before, if you're a full time student there. But for exchange students, it's it's a lot easier. Like you, they kind of reserve a few places so that when exchange students come, it's easy for them to, to find a cheap accommodation. Right. And being in Munich as well, Munich's such a, an expensive, expensive city. It's probably the most expensive city in Germany. Uh-huh. And living there, it's like kind of like rent prices of London almost. Wow. It was it was really good finding. So- 
Yeah, alhamdulillah, you, you got that grant in and, and you were given that opportunity. So obviously that's you, you've sorted out your accommodation. Now for us, for you, I'm guessing, was it was it covered for you because you were teaching out there? Was that something they provided? Yeah, we were. We had a full package um, given to us. I think most teachers, um, especially in the Middle East, are quite well looked after. Okay. So, um, I mean, part of my package was, was, was my salary and then we were going to get our our flights abroad paid for our visa process and the costs involved with that was going to be paid for um we were going to have our accommodation quite modern apartments um paid for our bills paid for internet paid for our travel we'd be given a, a travel allowance um a yearly travel allowance that would be in a separate part and in the holiday in the, you know the the, the half term holidays or the end of term holidays if you wanted to fly anywhere we would just give the um, the company that was looking after these funds would give them a ring and say, you know, how much do I have in my park? Can I use it to go here? And, and it, you know, we were given an allowance for that as well. So, um, alhamdulillah, I think a lot of the companies in the Middle East, they, they do look after um, expats quite well, depending, of course, um, on the company that you're working for. So that's something that you do need to check out. I mean, um, I mean, there are, like I mentioned at the start of the show, there are a lot of dodgy companies out there, so you do have to be a little bit wary, but um, we were quite well looked after, to be honest. Alhamdulillah. See, it's amazing because on the show, like, I'm really enjoying this show because it's great to hear both sides. I mean, Faraz has, uh, Faraz has had it all easy for him, while Fazil's had to kind of graft out, save up the money, <laughs> apply for, 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 you know, funding and stuff. And so yeah. it's two different types of, obviously, travel. And it's great because, our, uh, you know, for our listeners and for people like myself, that's it's always been an interest or something I've wanted to do in the future. It's great to see both sides of it and uh, the pros and the cons already. But, you know, uh, we're going to go for a quick short advert break and then let's continue our discussion on, on working abroad the pros and the cons uh, when we come back obviously I want you guys to tell me a bit about you guys settling in what that was like and then obviously about the job when you, you first started and obviously for Fazil when he first went along to university so you're listening to Radio Ramadan's late night live show tonight with myself Zen and my co-host Abu Bakr Tonight we're discussing working abroad, the pros and cons that are related to, to taking such a jump. And it's something that a lot of people now in the UK really want to do. I mean, just to go over a couple of statistics, over the last five years, the percentage of people who would be willing to work abroad has risen dramatically, more than doubling from 16% to 35%. And uh, it's amazing because when you ask people, especially around your friends and your family, it's something that many people nowadays will say, I'd love to, to move abroad and work abroad. So tonight I've got a great couple of guests on, Brother Fazil and Fraz, who have both worked and lived abroad. And they're sharing some of their experiences and will also later on be sharing some tips and tricks. And also tell us about the pros and cons from their experiences abroad. Now let's, let's carry on with the discussion. Before we, we went for the advert break, you guys were telling us about you know, how you, you got around to, to moving abroad, the things that were involved, getting accommodation. So now obviously you're on the plane and you've landed there. So I want to know about settling in. What was it like for you? You've moved away from your family. You've taken that jump and uh, you've, you've filled your suitcases up with whatever you thought you would need for, for the year ahead. Uh, Fazil, let's let's go ahead to you, Fazil. So, tell me about it. You you packed your bags. How was it when you were sent away at the airport and you were on that aeroplane? How were you feeling and and how did you settle in in Germany when you landed in Munich? Yeah, so begin with it was a, it was a pretty crazy experience. It was you know the first time actually going to live abroad and it was um, it was daunting to begin with, but you know it was it was, it was a really great experience. Okay. Um, 
moving into my accommodation. So to begin with, I, I moved into the new accommodation as soon as I got there. And uh, it was quite a small place. It's quite a small kind of room that I got. But it was a sort of typical student accommodation type of thing. So um, that's that's the way that accommodation was. But at the, at the end of the day, I was saving quite a bit of money because it was quite cheap. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, I, I start, before starting my course, I actually joined a language course just okay. because obviously I'm moving to Germany. I didn't have, I didn't know a word of German. So it was obviously difficult communicating with people to begin with. Uh, not knowing the basics of German, it was uh, just going to shops and ordering things and paying for things. It was uh, you obviously had to learn the the basics beforehand. Yeah, of course. So I like a like a language course before my course started. It was about a month long, so I ended up going one month before course actually started. So um, that kind of got me got me used to some of the basic basic language. Made some friends through that as well. Obviously. Nobody else from my university went. It was only me going wow. to that city. So I was kind of on my own. So it was good getting in before starting the course. So I actually know people in the city. Yeah. Uh, which is definitely a good shout. Okay. No, amazing. And, uh, you know, I'm guessing you packed one of your favourite teddy bears as well when you went on that flight, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, Fazil, you land there, right? And you've settled in. So, so alhamdulillah, that's good. I mean, the language thing is something that would really worry me if I'm going to a country where their native language is something like German, something that you've never really heard of before. I mean, for, for, for you, Faraz, I mean, how were you? I mean, I'm guessing you hadn't been to Saudi before, like you mentioned on the previous show. So were you nervous? How were you feeling when you, you left your family and, and went away? I, I was excited the whole time, to be honest with you. I wasn't nervous about anything. Okay. I think my, fam- my family were quite... I, I should do a lot of travel, not so much now, especially in the last few years. Um... um but when in my sort of early 20s, mid-20s, I, I used to just get up, pack my bags, get up, say, you know, mom, dad, I'm going, you know, here for a couple of weeks or whatever. And we just used to, just used to go on holidays and all sorts. We used to do a lot of traveling when I was younger. So when it came to going to, to work abroad, it was just a matter of, you know, mom, dad, I've got a job in Saudi Arabia. I'm going to be going for a year. And it was like, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was, they kind of got used to it, to be honest with you. And um, I think... My whole experience was it was just a case of a bunch of lads just winging it the whole the whole time. Um, there was no prep or anything. And like I said, my, my friend had got the job with me. And um, about a month before we were due to fly out, there we had um, an induction um, at the college in, in the UK. Um, so we had a two-week-long induction at the college. And when we went up, obviously, we met all the other teachers that were due to fly out um, Amazing. The college as well. So me and my friend from Birmingham went up and then we met like, there were two brothers from Bolton, there was another brother from Rochdale, there was another one from Doncaster. Um, so, uh, I mean, the two Indian Muslims and the other two were Pakistani Muslims. So we sort of, we gelled straight away. And, and, okay. and before you knew it, we were just like, it was like we had known each other all our lives. So there was like six, <laughs> seven of us. And we we became the sort of gang of lads who were just going on a little trip. <laughs> um, so so I think the whole time, I think that helped us to sort of um, settle any sort of issues or any doubts about anything. But I had my friend with me anyway. But then meeting them guys, it was just like we had such a laugh sort of in that induction period in the UK before flying out. 
and then from then on it was just it was just it was just a cruise really to be honest with you i think the whole time you know going to the airport and then getting on the plane it was, it was like we were going on one big lads holiday for a year <laughs> you know that helps a lot because you've got you've got a group of lads with you and with, for Fazil it was totally opposite he was on his own flying out there so I mean oh I can imagine I, I, I probably would have struggled if I went on my own to be honest with you because you need some I mean I think it depends on what type of character you are I think I think Brother Fazil probably a bit stronger than most of us I think but um I think if you go on your own, you you could you could get nervous very quickly, and sometimes you need someone to bounce off. Do you know what I mean? Just, yeah. just to calm your sort of nerves, etc. But and then I mean, for me, having a group of seven of us, I mean, there was there was no problem for us at all. We we just it was just like a lot of banter all the way there. Okay, no, it's amazing to to hear that, and I think that's that was the main thing as well. But going abroad on your own, you're you kind of forcing yourself out of your comfort zone, and you're you're forcing yourself to kind of meet new people yeah. and I feel that if I if I did have I don't know how it was for you Fraz in terms of meeting new people but I feel that if I went with a group of friends I wouldn't have been so open with other people we would have just had our own sort of click and just yeah I mean I, I mentioned that we we met these other um, these other Muslim lads from from up north but there were uh, uh, I think altogether there were 14 male teachers that, that flew yeah. out and there were 14 female teachers there were two colleges out there so a male college and a female college so aside from our little our little group the other guys who were going to be teaching at the male college they were they were such nice guys and they, they, they brought with them uh, a vast wealth of experience of their own they had been to places like vietnam and china and and thailand to, to teach in korea so it wasn't the first time many of them had done it before so they were used to meeting new people and, and having a little bit of a chit chat and, and making new friends so um and still till this day i mean five years after leaving the country we still have our old saudi lads and lasses whatsapp group um and we're, we're constantly talking to each other and i mean one of the lads um two of the lads from Bolton, they both got married and they, they, they invited all the colleagues over who, who went to work in Saudi Arabia. So we've made lasting friendships out there, to be honest. And I think, to be honest, it, it's, it's potluck really as to who your colleagues are or who the people that you work and live with are because you're either going to get on with them or, or the, you know, you're not going to get along with them and your life might be, uh, be hell at times. But Luckily enough, our all the teachers that we worked with, we bounced off each other. We gelled so well, and it's quite rare to find that. So we were quite lucky in that sense. Mm. No, alhamdulillah. I mean, look, guys. So you've you've obviously settled in. You've 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 got there, and you've got your group of lads with you. And obviously, Fazil's on his own. You've started off your courses. So tell me, like, so Fazil, you went straight into obviously education. And yeah. what was it like your first day at uni as an exchange student? What was it like for you when you went there? And did you manage to get into the course okay and, and get on with your studies? Yeah, so I mean, before actually starting my course, uh, I went through for a, a language course, as I yeah. mentioned. So I went for the German course first. And the two main universities in Munich are, uh, so the, you've got the Technical University of Munich, because the one that I went to, and you have the LMU, Ludwig Maximilian, in university and it's basically a split like a 50 50 split within our course within our language course like half the people were going to uh, tum the other people were going to lmu and um from there i kind of met people that were going to my university and i met some people that were going to be doing some of the courses that i was doing so i kind of got to know some people before so that was a good shout sort of uh, 
go in a few like um, a few weeks before my course actually started. Okay. So when I got to university, um, it was pretty decent. I, I knew a couple of people, and um, beforehand we already chose our all of our modules, all of our classes, and stuff like that. So um, we just had we already had our timetable. So um, so yeah, just kind of. Okay. And, and and for you, Faraz, obviously, when you went and you started on day one, what was it like for you meeting your new students and meeting your fellow colleagues now for for the year ahead? What was it like? I think the first the first thing we thought when we were drove up to the college for the first time was just how massive and modern it looked. I think it was okay. in Saudi Arabia. They've got the they made these purpose built colleges all around the country as part of like a, a government initiative to to build a youth workforce and provide education for, for the for the youth. And the complex I mean the site that the college was, was located on, it was it was massive. It had a it had it had a very big mosque on the site as well and a massive football pitch, full length football wow. pitch. Um, it had a gym, it had a canteen, um, and all the buildings were air conditioned, and they, they all had sort of smart boards and projectors and everything. So fully kitted out. It was I mean once you walked into that building um, it, it was almost as if you were working in any school in the UK, to be honest with you. Um, once you stepped out, there was everything around the college was just pure desert, and it was like 45 degrees outside, so you, you wouldn't want to be standing outside for too long. Um, and I think once uh, once the students started coming in, I mean, the the college had obviously employed local staff as well as um, as admin staff and translators as well. So um, it was interesting seeing all these uh, these these youngsters walking in and just seeing what the Saudi youth were like. Right. What were um, they like? So tell us a bit more about. Yeah, uh, uh, some of them. I mean, some of them were bonkers, um, <laughs> and some of them. Some of them. I mean, surprisingly, some of them had very very good English. So uh, m- many of these these kids, obviously, they're into they're interested in the Western culture. So they'd watch a, they'd watch a lot of movies. <laughs> um, at home, do you know what I mean? And and they'd watch a lot of YouTube and they'd play a lot of games and they'd pick up English very, very quickly by, by doing these things. So um, I was quite surprised as to how, how much English some of some of these, these guys knew. Um, and then obviously you had the, uh, the sort of working out in the desert. I mean, many of the students were, were Bedouins. Um, so seeing some of them, them, them walk in and it, it, it was just as nerve-wracking for them as it was for us. Because many of them, they would not have been to college like that before. Um, yeah. They would have gone into, you know, their normal state schools in the, in, the, in the desert towns. And for them to walk in, they were just like looking around at all the facilities and everything that was available. And, and they were all obviously dressed in their thobes. I mean, everyone in Saudi Arabia dresses the same. Um, thobes and a red scarf on their head. And they'd come in and they'd see us dressed up in our in our suits and and it was just a bit weird. I think some of them had brought their fathers along as well, so we were getting to know know their fathers. And obviously, the first day um, at college for many of these students is not going to be any different to the first day at college or school for for kids here. To be honest with you, okay. you know, like like wide-eyed students wondering what their teachers are going to be like, um, <laughs> more or less. But I mean, I mean, straight away, you know, you, you wanted to go and meet who, who the, the students that would be in your class and just get to know their name. And obviously, there was a language barrier as well with some of them whose English wasn't wasn't very good. But um, I mean, everything about teaching English as a foreign language is a, a, a large part of it anyway. Is about visuals. 
because um, obviously you don't share share the language with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, communication was uh, was testing at times. And and to be honest with you, um, uh, the, the I forgot to mention because it's a college. All the students were between six, 16 or 17 and 21 years old, so they were a bit older than your usual school kids. Right. Um, that's the age where you get the kids who, you know, think they're really cool, and a couple of them <laughs> think that, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're grown men now, and they're a bit big, and they're trying to, you know, force their impression on you and, and whatnot. So it was a bit weird seeing the different characters there, to be honest with you. But, um, and many of them are just, I think, turned up because um, they were getting a government paycheck to, to be get educated, you believe that? No. So you'd get paid every fortnight um, as long as you attended eighty. I think it was eighty uh, percent. As long as you attended eighty percent of the time and got that signed off from college, you would get a paycheck from the government every fortnight. Wow. So many of these students were coming for that financial incentive as well, and and within the first couple of weeks, we, we quickly figured out who were who was here seriously to, to <laughs> learn, and, for the money. Of, and and who was there just to chill and waiting for that the, that envelope <laughs> to come around every two weeks. No, no wonder these kids are pulling up in Lambos to college and uni, here. Eh? <laughs> oh, that was another you know that was another thing you know there and watching because there was a massive car park and all the kids turning up. And so these 17, 18 year olds, some of them, I mean, not everyone in Saudi Arabia is well off, um, especially in, in the desert town. But some of these kids were turning up in these massive American 4x4s like Whoa. Ford Raptors and GMCs and Toyota and these, these massive Land Cruisers, brand new. <laughs> and, and, and then you see the door open and this tiny little Arab kid just jump out with, you know, with Miswak down halfway down his throat walking. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on here? I mean, they're living the life out there, some of these kids. Amazing. Now, uh, yeah, Abu Bakr, you're making a point to Fazil. So, Fazil, uh, when you moved out to Germany, did you s- receive a lot of uh, support from uh, the yeah. university and, you know, wherever you were working at the time? Support as in, like, sort of financial support? or no, I think more like, you know, you got support from teachers oh, and right. tutors. Did you receive that because oh. you were coming from abroad? Yeah, so there was, we did get given a sort of mentor. So there was a sort of professor in our course who was basically in charge of all the exchange students in our course and they were the, the point of contact basically. If we needed anything, if we if we needed any help with our classes or we had any language issues that we we wanted to clear up, we, we had that person to go to. But um I mean I didn't really use that very much. I just kinda just figured it out on my own. I just kinda went along with it, just went with the flow. And okay. uh, I was I, I was all right. And then, right. to be honest, well, no, it's, that's, it's, it's good to to know that for those that are listening and maybe thinking about taking the the trip, maybe to study there. Obviously, once this is all over and the next semester kind of starts, and people are maybe looking at an exchange year, it's good to know that you've got that support there. You're not just out there on your own, and you have to get through the exams. And um, yeah, I mean, now coming on to more of the, I wanted to break up the next couple of um, few minutes of the show into pros and cons. So. I mean, some of the pros, obviously, to moving abroad is, I mean, what, the number one thing that comes into many of our minds is the weather. So, I mean, starting off with you, Faraz, I mean, you moved to Saudi, the weather must have been great. Eh? I know you told me it was quite hot at times, but I'm surely it was better than what Birmingham had to offer. Oh, the weather the weather in Birmingham has been quite nice over the last month or so as well, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, Saudi, you know, Saudi, you know, if you've ever been to... to Pakistan. I mean, you went and, and you live quite quite close to me in Pakistan, and um, in the middle of middle of Pakistan is quite similar 
um, in, in terms of temperature to where I was in Saudi Arabia, 45 degrees heat most days. Oh, yeah. um, so, I mean, as, as much as you say, yeah, nice sunny weather and you go out for a chill out, I mean, you couldn't spend more than six or seven minutes standing outside in that sun um, okay. before, you, before you actually start to burn and you feel like you're burning and then you have to go back inside to the air con. So, I mean, a couple of times a day, every now and then, if when I wanted to, I'd just go outside and just sit down outside in the sun. And I, I think I've managed about 10 minutes max um, <laughs> and back most in. days. And then go have to go back in, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, as well as, obviously, it's, it's nice sort of having the, the sun out. Every now and then, you'd have sort of um, um, massive storms. Very bad. When, it, when it rains in Saudi Arabia, it really, really pours and there's thunder, lightning, and all sorts. So that was a welcome relief every now and then to see that. Um, I mean, as as well as that, um, another issue that we had in, in out, being out in the desert was sandstorms. Mm-hmm. Now, sandstorms are a massive, massive uh, problem for where, where we were because um, because of the aircon vents and the fans, like in, in the kitchen and the bathroom in our our apartments, obviously they they have gaps in them to let the air come in and out. But if there was a sandstorm, obviously you can't go out during a sandstorm because you can't see anything and there's sand flying in your eyes and your mouth and all sorts, and you're getting blown from pillar to post. But even if you were in your apartment and a sandstorm came and it came over your their apartments, it would come flying through the fans. Wow. And and uh, and you just have to ride it out, and you couldn't do anything. And then uh, once the sandstorm's gone half an hour later, you walk into the kitchen and the bathroom, and there's everything's covered in sand. <laughs> and you'd have to spend the next two hours, like all the boys getting together, just cleaning up all the sand and taking it out, or washing all the dishes again, taking it out of your your clothes, or uh, and taking it off the fridge. And um, it was a bit crazy. It was spectacular to see these sandstorms, but I mean. I think I think after that, I don't think we ever turned on uh, the fans in the kitchen ever again. After that, we taped <laughs> everything up and put tape in between so the sand would never f- fly in again. So, um, okay. But yeah, the uh, weather weather was was nice most of the time, to be honest. Especially when you did go out for a walk here and there, and it was a little bit cooler. Um, we're talking about thirties. If it was in the thirties, it was cool, yeah. and, and you could enjoy the weather. But when it was about forty, forty-five degrees, it, it, it's quite suffocating to be outside. No, and, and Fazil, I'm guessing you didn't have to deal with that problem of sandstorms hitting your apartment in, uh, in, 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 in Munich. But tell me more about the weather there, because you're more closer to home in Germany. So what was the weather normally like for you during your studies? So I was actually really surprised when I first went there. Like, I got there in September, and obviously because it's so close to close to home, you wouldn't think it's there'll be a massive difference in temperature and right. massive difference in weather. But it was actually really hot. Like mm-hmm. in September, we were getting thirty-five plus, wow. and it was actually really hot in comparison to the UK. And mm-hmm. but overall, the weather was beautiful. Like the summer summers in Munich are beautiful. It's like the south of Germany as well, so it's a bit it's a bit hotter in the south than it is in the, in the north. For example, in Berlin and stuff like that. But um, the weather was really nice. But at the same time, the winter gets really cold as well. Okay. Um, the winter, I think we used we, we used to get about minus fifteen degrees in January. Um, a lot of oh. snow, quite heavy snow in, in the winter as well. But the summer, summer was really nice. Sometimes it would get pretty pretty humid, and being in student accommodation, I didn't have any AC or anything like that either. So it, was, it would get really stuffy. Interesting. But the weather was really nice overall. 
Amazing. Okay, so Glasgow anyway. <laughs> probably way better than here anyway. If you're talking about thirties and, and upwards, but right. So obviously that's that's a good point. I mean, definitely a pro is, is weather, and that's something that a lot of us that are listening in. And honestly, I'm, I just want to stop and, and say that I'm really enjoying tonight's show. It's great to hear from two different types of abroad experiences from both Faraz and Fazil. Now, look, obviously another big point, and then Faraz has mentioned it as well, is is making friendships. I mean, when you go. When you go abroad, obviously it's different cultures and, and different people. And uh, Fazil, yeah, like, did you obviously through your course and just being in Germany, you worked a couple of part time yeah. jobs as well. So, did you make a lot of friends out there and do you still keep in, in touch with them? Yeah, I mean, the, the Erasmus sort of community in Germany and in Munich is amazing. Like, every day, there's literally thousands of people which come to Munich to study from abroad. Right. And you meet people from all over the world, from all continents, and literally, like every single day, you're you're meeting like over 50, 50 new people. You're just meeting through university and different events and stuff like that, and that's a really good part of it as well. So over over time, you kind of meet different groups. You kind of you you meet new friends and from from different places. And I mean, in the long term, it's it's really good as well. After coming back from Germany, I still keeping contact with a lot of these friends. There's a good handful of friends which I've, I've actually went and visited in their own country. So that way you're you've, you've kind of got a host when you go to visit different countries as well. So yeah. I met a lot of friends in uh, from Spain. So each I've done like a road trip through Spain as well. So Amazing. Each city which I went through, I knew somebody in that city through Munich. So uh, I kind of had free accommodation. I didn't have to spend any money. They kind of invited me to their house and can start can stay with them. Amazing. And different different people from all over the world. It's quite fascinating learning about their cultures and stuff like that. It opens up so many doors, you know, like because you you just get chatting to someone, and before you know it, that brother's from Spain, that that person's from China, uh, and then there you go. You've got a friend there, and, and and I'm the same. I mean, I've met a lot of people just here in the UK, and that have maybe come and studied here from abroad, and and it's the same. I keep connected with them, and and I've made some amazing friendships like that as well. And obviously, for you, for us, you kind of had a crew that you went with there. Uh, it's, it's it's a bit different from obviously Fazil, but you know, I'm guessing you made friends there as well in Saudi, and and you still keep in touch with those guys. Yeah, like I said, I mean, all all the, the, the male teachers at our, our college, we still have our WhatsApp group um, that we're regularly talking most days, um, just updating each other on, on what we're doing and stuff. I mean, uh, there are teachers from all over the world. Like I mentioned, we had a teacher from Chile, one from France, one from Syria, one from Egypt. Um, as well as that, we I mean, we, we made lasting friendships with the, the much of the cleaning staff there, as well as the drivers that, that were, we came into contact regularly. I mean, most of the cleaning staff were Pakistani and Indians. Okay. Um, and every now and then, I mean, especially during Ramadan, but every now and then we'd, we'd go to where they would live and, and so on. They would hold an iftar for us and feed us, and then we would invite them around for us uh, to ours. And um, the Filipino drivers... Um, and, and the maintenance staff, um, we, we'd go out with them at, at, at night, just go around the town. There wasn't much to do there, to be honest with you. So um, we'd have to sort of try and body up with, with, with as many people as we could and just go out and, and do things. Some, a lot of the Filipinos, we used to play the Filipinos at football <laughs> uh, every Thursday night. 
um, and, and we used to whoop them so bad, man. Um, <laughs> um, but a lot of the Filipinos, they like basketball as well. So some of the lads would go down to the local gym with the Filipinos and play basketball. Amazing. Um, as well as that, everyone in the, in the town, when you walk, I mean, for us, we spent a lot of the time going out at night because you couldn't go out during the daytime because it was, it was just boiling hot. So at night, we'd go out to the restaurants and we'd have to walk like 25 minutes um, just to get, get into the, the, the town centre. And a, a lot of the, the people that owned the shops and, and the restaurants, etc., were, were Pakistanis and Indians. Um, so we'd see them regularly on, on a weekly basis. And um, and, and obviously the, the students as well. I mean, still got um, lasting friendship with the students. You know, the Saudis, I mean, um, I didn't realise before I went out there, but once I was there and when I did a little bit of reading into it I and mean, the Saudis Saudi youth especially are, are some of the biggest users in the world of social media right. um, and they're crazy about Snapchat they <laughs> are they are mad about they're always on their phones on Snapchat so I right. still got four or five of them on, on Snapchat and uh, we managed to find a local charity that, uh, that I did some work with and went out there and met them so I've got all, the, all got them all on Snapchat and they you know those stories that you have to tap on for like an hour to get <laughs> that, that's, that's that's these guys that's these Saudis you, yeah man you, you you see their story and you just know it's going to be a long one and every now and then, now and then you can be bothered you look through it but you just know it's, it's it's just snap after snap after snap after snap of them talking in Arabic so they love that sort of stuff and no amazing you've been in touch with some of them some of them have gone on to get good jobs a couple of them have gone on to work at the airport some of them have enrolled into the army and they're telling me um, yeah Teacher Faraz, they used to call me. So, Teacher Faraz, look, I'm, I'm working in the army now. They're sending me pictures of themselves wow. in the uniform. So, um, so yeah, still, still got a lot of lasting friendships there. And hope, who knows, maybe one day I'll bump into them again. Yeah, amazing. No, great. Honestly, um, uh, a great, great way to, to end just before the adverts there. So, yeah, let's go for a short advert break and then we'll continue about some of the pros. And then I want to move into some of the, the cons as well, like some of the, the difficulties you guys might have had there. And we're discussing working abroad, the pros and the cons. And we've been hearing from our two great guests, uh, Brother Fazil and Faraz. For those tuning in to Late Night Live for maybe the first time or throughout this month, uh, this is a show where we discuss a lot of hot topics that have been affecting us. We've, we've discussed some amazing topics over the month, including the coronavirus effects on education and things like that. We've also discussed the thug life mentality, drugs, music, alcohol and our community and uh, even last night we were talking about um, racism and it was an amazing show and uh, yeah thanks to all the listeners that have been tuning in throughout the month now yeah we were discussing the pros of living abroad and and we discussed friendships uh, and the weather and another big thing is is obviously lifestyle there as well and Abu Bakr you you wanted to pose a question to Fazil so we've just heard uh, Faraz's um, you know story on how his lifestyle was in Saudi Arabia. I just wanted to ask Fazil, you know, how is the lifestyle in Germany? Because I've been to Germany, I know that the lifestyle there is absolutely crazy and it's very yeah. different towards uh, um, from Scotland. Um, you know, yeah. people are friendly there and, you know, what, what what's your take on it? Yeah, I find that people are really friendly in Germany. It's so multicultural, just in general, everyone... Um, most of the people that you bump into in the streets and stuff like that, they, they know English and you're able to communicate with them. Um, opposed to different cities in Germany, if you go to different towns and stuff like that, it would be difficult to communicate with them in English because the, their level of English isn't as good as the more international student, uh, more international cities. 
such as Munich and Berlin and Hamburg. Um, so yeah, in terms of uh, lifestyle, what my day-to-day lifestyle used to be like, I would kind of just go to university. Um, I would go out with some friends to eat, go to try out some new places for food and stuff like that. Um, on the weekends, we would usually uh, like go on trips, go on like sort of little excursions to, to different lakes and mountains. Um, Munich's really beautiful. Like the surrounding areas are really beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you could get like a group of five people together, you could um, have a full day of travelling around Bavaria or Bayern, which is basically the, the um, sort of province. And you, you could go anywhere within that, uh, within Bayern, uh, for just five euros. So, so, so Ger- Germany is very uh, scenic, and you know there's a lot of history there. Did you do anything like that? Did you go to any of the sites? Yeah. Or yeah, really, I mean, like see the south Germany. That's where you've got a lot of Alps. So that's on the border, borders with Switzerland, Austria, Liechtenstein, France, Italy, I believe. Mm-hmm. So the borders with a lot of countries and uh, down there there's there's a lot of you have the European Alps and the scenery there is just spectacular and obviously being in the EU you can easily cross into other countries without the need of um, sort of visas and stuff like that so we used to just get a bus or a train into different countries. I remember we went going into Zurich and Switzerland as well wow. and it felt as if we were just going on a train down south Mm-hmm. From, from Germany into Switzerland and from Germany into even all the way to Croatia we went one time wow um, so it was, it was really good um, really easy transport's really easy getting around uh, going on trips and it's really cheap as well there's a there's a company called Flixbus mm-hmm. and they offer sort of trips for really cheap like bus rides you can get from I, th- I remember going to Croatia the return trip on bus was about 20 quid. Wow. It was like 10 quid. <laughs> it's, it's cheaper than maybe going down to Manchester or, or to London, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. It's madness. Amazing. Um, but the thing about that, taking buses, it's just, it's, if you're going really long distances, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> <laughs> like, on about 10 hours straight. Oh. But, yeah, it's, I would definitely recommend it. Like, Amazing. And, and, and for deal, like you mentioned there about eating out, right? And that brings me on to, to the final kind of pro topic that I want to discuss about it is all, all and I'll come over to Fraz as well. You know, I'm a massive Donner fan, right? I love Donner like many of us here. And I heard Germany is quite a big place for Donner. And also Abu Bakr was telling me there that falafel is a big thing there. So tell me, what were you kind of eating there? What were the halal options? And what was your favourite yeah. meal when you were in Germany? So... In Germany, um, there are many halal options that, because there's a big, massive uh, Turkish community in Germany, yeah, right? So there's a lot of there's a lot of Turkish people from uh, since the first World War, I believe. So it's basically like the the Muslim community, the, the Pakistani community here, but an extra generation. Wow. So I think the Muslim community in in the UK, but the Pakistanis in anyway. I think the first they first moved here back in the 50s or something like that. I think the Turkish in Germany, they settled there around the 20s. Uh, around the 20s. Wow. So they're very well established there and there's you can, everywhere you go you can find halal food, uh, especially in the big cities like Berlin and Munich. Uh, but Donner, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty good. 
that's that's probably the thing that which uh, I ate the most. <laughs> One because it's so cheap, right? And two because it's really tasty. It's much more healthy in comparison to the UK donor. Amazing. It's actually meat. It's not. It's not like processed fat. It's it's actual bits of bits of meat rather than just a big sludge of meat put on <laughs> the rotisserie. But um, yeah, there's a place called Mustafa's Gamuzi Kebab. Okay. They've only got two uh, two locations. One's the main was one is in Berlin. That's like the original. And when I was living in Munich, they actually opened up a second in Munich. And I swear that's the best kebab that you'll ever eat. It's Amazing. like the best donut kebab that you'll ever eat. It's beautiful. Like you would chew in that line. It's not even a restaurant. It's like a a window out of a shop, and they serve it out of the window. And you'd need to wait in that line for a full hour to get a kebab. Whoa. Mad. Amazing. And known in Germany to be the Germans' number one like national uh, food. Donor. Well, it's amazing because you know, it's alhamdulillah, I'm glad Late Night Live is on at this time, right? So we're not fasting like a lot of the other shows, man. I'd be getting hungry, <laughs> all that talk of Donner. And for us, I mean, for you and Saudi, you know, I want to move on to obviously the more kind of con side of it and, and the struggles as well about living abroad. But tell me more just quickly about the food that you ate there and what your diet was like. Um, we, like I said, I mean, we, we had to walk into the town centre for about 20 minutes before we could get to the restaurants. But surprisingly, obviously, there were a lot of South Asians there. So we, we the, the Pakistanis would obviously have roti and curry shops open there. So if you wanted to go, you were missing home, you could go and get roti and curry. And uh, uh, there were like burger shops there and, and stuff as well. But um, obviously, the, the Arab food is, is, is sort of generally... Um, I mean, when we get invited round... Um, to one of the students' farms or whatever, and every now and then they'd, they'd bring a goat along or some other animal, and they'd, they'd do its uh, chop its head off in front Whoa. of you, and and then bleed it and skin it alive, and then you know <laughs> do do the whole prep right in front of your eyes, and then cook it, and then feed you it, and it was a whole different level of uh, of lifestyle out in the middle of the desert, man. These these Bedouins, I mean, they were doing all sorts out there, so it was. Um, Definitely eye-opener to see uh, to see that. I mean, I wouldn't mind eating the goat and stuff, but um, on Eid especially, they used to eat this uh, this this animal called. They used to call it a dub, um, and it's it's basically a lizard. I'm not sure if you've been on my, inst- my Instagram and seen me holding up two lizards. Okay. But it's it's like a delicacy in Saudi Arabia, and they'd eat lizards, especially on on big occasions like Eid. Um, I didn't try it because because uh, yeah, I don't like the look of it to be honest. Um, <laughs> but, um, lizards. But, I was like, no way am I trying that, man. But, uh, but yeah, we got fed camel milk and stuff, but I only ever had, like, camel milk in small sips, to be honest, because all the Saudis would say, you know, well, you know what this camel milk does to you? And I'd be like, well, what does it do? And, and they'd make the gesture to say as if it flushes everything out of your system, <laughs> out of your backside. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna have a little bit, don't you? And they would always try and feed me, like, a full glass of it. And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to get myself into that position. But, um, but yeah, man, it was just oh, – yeah, there were a, a couple of Turkish restaurants there, so um, – but generally, uh, I think when we go, sometimes we'd go to like someone's house and they'd have like a full goat um, on on a big plate and rice all around it, um, and it would have everything, including the skull, on this plate. Mm. So it, it would be a bit, it would be a bit nervy just to look at it and think, oh, I don't know if I want to want to eat that off that plate. To be honest, um, 
but you could get more or less everything there. To be honest, once I, once I found out there was a burger shop there, I, I, just, I never looked anywhere else. To be just keep going to the burger I just, shop. I, I swear, I just ran to the burger shop every chance I had. Um, but as well as that, every time I went into the city centre, the one thing that I would get without fail is kanafa. Have you ever tried kanafa before? Yeah, yeah, I've tried it. I don't like it, but yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm, I'm in love with knuff. I don't know. They used to make it fresh in front of in front of you there, and they used to heat it up and then give it to you hot. Um, and sometimes I used to yam too in a go, man, and it, it's just full, so full of sugar and unhealthy. But I've got a really bad sweet tooth, so yeah, knuff. I, I was big on knuff when I was out in Saudi Arabia. It's probably one of the biggest things I miss about being out there. Amazing. I've a lot of knuff in Germany as well. Actually, there's a lot of every every Turkish shop. Well, kanafa, along with baklava and stuff like that as well. Oh man, yeah, look, though. I mean, I don't mind, but but kanafa, Every time I think about it, I've been looking for some place around around Birmingham <laughs> that does kanafa like that, like, like they did in Saudi Arabia. Really but it's like really stringy cheese. Yeah, it's like it's like cheese and pastry and like like sugar syrup, syrup and pistachios on top of it and all sorts. Yeah, it's it's so nice, man. Right, so I don't want to talk about it anymore because I'm, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna crave it. Well, for me, <laughs> for me, I'll just stick with the donor because that sounded good enough. But yeah, I mean, coming on to more the 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 the, the other side of of living abroad. I mean, we've talked about the positives, the food, the lifestyle, and making new friends, but. You know, when you're abroad, obviously a big thing is obviously missing your family back home. Now, it's not like a holiday where you're away for a week or two and you're back. Uh, I mean, is that something, Fazil, that you struggled with? I mean, you've got, you know, uh, quite a few brothers and, and obviously you're a tight family. So did did you miss your, your family a lot there? Did you miss friends? What were you missing from back home while you were there? Yeah, I mean, family is probably the biggest the biggest thing that, you're, that you'll be missing when, when you go abroad. Being away for quite a, a long period of time it's uh, you, you definitely miss your family um, okay. I think one thing as well is the I don't know if I mentioned I w- also went to Japan for my fifth year as well oh. and both experiences were completely different um, going to Germany and going to Japan because one in, in Japan I couldn't come back for, for regular trips back home yeah. when I was in Germany it was close enough I could I could get a flight back for 50 quid and I would usually come back after a couple of months or something like that. Right. But when I was in Japan, I was I was kind of there for for good, and I was all the way on the other side of the world as well. So that's oh. where you you would kind of find it more. As well as that, like sort of the, the Muslim community that you find um, as well in in Germany, you'll find a lot more Muslims around, and you'll find halal food a lot a lot more. Whereas in Japan, it, it's completely the opposite. Like you won't find a lot of Muslims. Um, and halal food would be really difficult to, to get as well. So you would need to, um, you just have that struggle of finding halal food, finding halal restaurants, and um, just eating eating vegetarian mostly. To be honest. Okay. No. But, that's, um, that's definitely something that's 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 not as as good as obviously being over in Germany. But I mean, in yeah. terms of talking back, you know, to your family here and, and stuff like that. I'm guessing you're using things like WhatsApp call and FaceTime a lot. I'm, uh, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, thank God for, for technology in it. Like yeah. back in the day, if we went abroad, it would be very difficult. We'd be sending letters or something like that. <laughs> like, kind of like, but um, yeah, FaceTime—it's really good. Um, using Skype and stuff like that, you can actually—it's uh, like having your family right there with you. Yeah, amazing. Uh, for us, for you, I mean, you were buzzing to go, right? You were excited and and you were there. But was there any point while while you were there that you're kind of missing back home, missing your family? Missing Birmingham or even your your brother or, or anything like that? 
I think you, it's, home is always home, isn't it? You're always going to miss certain aspects of life back home. Um, you know, for me, I, I think I missed going out to, you know, going out with the boys or, you know, going out to eat or going to your, your, your local dessert shop that you really like or whatnot. <laughs> but, um, I mean, when I'm at, when I, uh, when I, I mean, I stay home more nowadays, but, um, especially since I've, I've grown up a little bit. But I think when, in my early and mid 20s, I, I spent a lot of time going out and about with, with, with my friends. So yeah. you do miss that aspect of social life. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, but in terms of family, like like Fazil was saying, we, there's a lot of Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp and, and video calling what was going on. So regularly keep in touch with everyone, um, mm-hmm. with everyone back home, and and little things like like driving a car. I didn't yeah. drive a car for a year when I was there, and I, and, and I was thinking, oh, I really, I'm just gonna drive. I don't care where it is. Charlie's <laughs> missing a car. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just just weird things like that. To, to, to be honest with you, but uh, like I said, I think my situation was a little bit different if others because I had such a, a good group of, of lads around me. So I think everything was mitigated. As, um, what about you? you? know, you've got a cat. So did you miss your cat at all? You know, I, I'm not. Sh- uh, did I have a cat then? Um, laughing his head think, off here, think, by the way. <laughs> you know, I, you know what, cats. I mean, as you know, you've got two cats yourself. Cats are such a big part of your, your family life right, when mate. you have a pet. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I, to be honest, I think I think I got my my cat. I think when I uh, when I came back from Saudi Arabia, so I don't think it was. <laughs> I don't think it was whilst whilst uh, whilst I was there. So yeah, I didn't miss any pets to be honest because I didn't have one at the time. Okay, now look. So I, I can hear Abu Bakr sniggering in the back. Does he not have yeah, he, he, he doesn't have that love for animals that we do. And whenever he sees my cats, he's, he doesn't even you know say hello to them. He just <laughs> tells them to go away. And look, I mean, I'll deal with him later, Fraz. Don't worry. But look, uh, one thing, another another thing worth talking about is obviously when you move to a new country. You know, because people know that you're a foreigner, I mean, sometimes that can be a disadvantage because you could be overcharged for things like taxis, for meals. How taking, do you get... Taking advantage yeah, of Yeah, taking advantage of that. So how did you kind of make sure that you, you knew what the, the prices were for things and you weren't getting kind of ripped off for things? Fazil, do you want to mention anything on that? I, I think... No, go ahead. If Raz wants to go ahead, on you go, Fraz. Oh, sorry, I thought you were directing the question to me, but I'll, I'll talk any... I think I spoke a lot about... Um, the sort of the love that we were shown on uh, your show about about Umrah and, and the hospitality that we were shown by the locals when we first arrived in Saudi Arabia, um, and it, it, I mean we were really grateful for 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 the love that that everyone gave us and a lot of the the the, the local shop owners were Pakistani and Indian and once you start talking in Urdu to them um, and and the brothers from Bolton that came with me they were Gujarati speakers and and they spoke Gujarati to a lot of them and, and so we were we were quite well looked after to be honest with you but um, and I think the Saudi Arabia is a bit uh, it's unique in the sense that depending on which part of the country you go to in Saudi Arabia, you'll get treated differently by local Saudis. Okay. So, um, if, you, if you're in if you're in the capital or the biggest cities like Riyadh or Jeddah, you might have local Saudis, especially the richer Saudis, who sort of have. Um, a snobbish attitude, uh, for want of a better term, um, right. to to other to anyone that's not Saudi, 
Um, so obviously, the, the, it's all about you know I'm Saudi and I'm, and I'm bigger and better than everyone else. But I think where I was in the local town, I think everyone was very very welcoming and everyone wanted to know us and get to talk to us. And the local imam came down to our accommodation and, and he wanted to speak to us. And then he put on free um, Quran classes for us and Tajweed classes that we would have every Sunday. Um, the other locals came and, and wanted to play football with us. All the students would invite us every day. Different students would say, "Come to my farm, sir. Come to my farm." And then you'd go. Mm-hmm his farm the next day someone else didn't invite you and then you'd go and have camel milk and then watch a goat's head get chopped off there and then the <laughs> following day you'd go to another farm and after two weeks of that it was like sir sir come to my farm and he was like no i've had enough of farms Just, I, I don't want to go to anymore so i mean we were so we were very very well looked after to be honest and very okay. well but in certain places you do have um in saudi arabia where you have this mentality that people are better than everyone else but I think partly the reason why we were so well looked after was because um, we were teachers and your job title does take you a long way because teachers are quite well respected okay. out there. Um, as well as that, even though um, we, we're, I mean, we're British Pakistani um, essentially, but um, we had British passports. So, I mean, nobody could really say anything to us. Whereas, I mean, everyone's heard the stories about migrant workers being sort of um, manipulated and, and, and harshly treated out in the Middle East and we did see a lot of that as well to be honest with you and right. um, I mean whenever we saw it we, we wouldn't take it from, from any of the, of the locals especially the, the cleaners and everyone and, I mean they were our friends you know what I mean so okay. um, it, it really depends on who you bump into I mean like any country even here in the UK you have you have good people and bad people and, and, and I mean one or the other doesn't represent the whole uh, and amazing. Uh, and, and for you, Fazil, what about yourself? I know you were wanting yeah. to make a point there, so Fazil, on you go. I, mean, I think I had a, a pretty similar experience to you, Fraz. Uh, I didn't get, I mean, with Munich being a really international city, as a European city, it's. Um, I didn't get ripped off or anything like that, going to buy stuff in the shops. Uh, it was just kind of like going to the shops here in Glasgow or here in the UK. Um, customer service and everything was really great, but. One thing that I would like to highlight is going to Tokyo was a mad experience in terms of the customer service that you get. Like, mm-hmm. if you go there, you, you'd never experience customer service better than, than there. I can give like an example of that as well. It's it quite a funny story when I was coming back from Tokyo. Um, so I was on the bus on the way to the airport and um, I didn't check into my flight or anything like that before before jumping on the bus or anything, I just kind of assumed, yeah, uh, I'm going to the, the same the same airport that I've flown out from or flown to every time I've, I've been in Tokyo. So there's two different airports that I realised. One was called Narita and one was Haneda. Yeah. And I was I thought I was on the way to Narita. Well, I was on the way to Narita and I thought my plane was going for Narita. And keep in mind, my flight was I, w- I was kind of going on on time for my flight. I wasn't early. I wasn't going early or anything like that. Uh, I started checking in on the phone and I realised I was going to the wrong airport. <laughs> and I was panicking. I checked on my phone, how long does it take to get from, from Narita to Haneda once I get there? And it was about an hour and a half. So I was like, from then on, I was like, I'm not going to catch this flight. No chance I'm going to catch this flight. So once I got to Narita, because this was a direct bus, I couldn't jump off the bus or anything like that. So I got to Narita airport. Uh, I ran to the closest taxi and I just told him, take me to Haneda as soon as you can. And I swear, like, he he got me there within, like, 45 minutes. Oh. No joke. Like, was he driving a GTR by any chance? Bro. 
Any... Bit of Tokyo drift going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> much like I was panicking so so much, so I didn't even I didn't even realise what speed he was going. But somehow right. he got me there in half the time that I would have. Wow. That was telling me on Google Maps. So even then, once I got to the airport, I was still convinced that I wasn't going to catch the flight. Uh, I I went into the airport, and there was literally fifty minutes until we were boarding the plane. The people started boarding the plane. So I was panicking. I had my luggage with me and everything like that. And then one of the the airport staff, she saw me, and she just came straight up to me and she was asking me if I needed any help. Right. I told her the situation. Literally, she just grabbed my uh, grabbed my uh, suitcase and stuck it on a trolley. And she was like, "Run with me." Wow. And then she's running across the the airport. She was r- literally legging it through the airport with a big long skirt as well. And I was trying to keep up with her. And uh, she checked my luggage in. She was just like, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of that. Checked the luggage in. And uh, we got, she was like, next, we, we need to go to the, the security. We'll get you through the security as soon as possible. Wow. Get to security. And there's a ma- massive line in the security. There's literally, she was like, it will take you longer than half an hour if you go through there. So we'll put you through staff security. Amazing. So you put me through staff security. And then before I knew it, I was sitting on the plane. Like... I was I was in awe of how I actually made that flight. It's madness. Amazing. So it's just supposed to show like how good the customer service is and how good good that is in Japan. Alhamdulillah. Right, if you had experience in the UK, that would that would literally never happen. Exactly. Boat to boat. Amazing. I know. It's honestly, it's an amazing story, and honestly, it's a great way to end the show as well. And a positive to hear that amazing story uh, from 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 when Fazil was over in in Tokyo. Now, look, guys. Honestly, I just want to say thanks a lot for joining the show. Before you go, I'm going to ask you a quick question. I just want a quick yes answer. You know, would you do it again? Would you go back abroad? And and would you encourage other people to do it? So, Faraz, if you just give us a quick thirty second answer. Faraz. Faraz. Alright, Fazil, on you go, Fraz is... Hello? Oh yeah, Fraz, on you go, yeah. So Fraz, would you go again abroad and, and would you recommend it to others? Yeah, 100%, yeah. I mean, I think anyone that's looking to go out abroad, um, I would recommend the Middle East especially. I mean, you get very, very well, well looked after. I mean, I mean you, you'll have your accommodation paid for, your, 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 your money situation, your salary would be higher than what you get paid. Yeah, it's tax-free. You'd be saving up to about 85% of what you make. I mean, many of these companies, if you find the right company and you do your research properly, many of these companies will, will take you, they will take your spouse, they will take your kids, pay for, you, for all their flights, they'll pay for your kids' schooling. I mean, what, what more could you want? Take your whole family out there. No, right, great. Thank you very much for that, Fraz, and thanks for joining us tonight. And, and Fazil, would you recommend it, yes or, or no? And yeah. uh, would you encourage people to go? I would 100% recommend people to go, and I'd really encourage people that are currently studying in the, either their first or second year of university to definitely um, take the initiative to, to do some research on studying abroad, see if your your course offers that and definitely do it. Uh-huh. And I mean, like finance could, some people would think finance would be a problem, but if you really want to go abroad and study abroad, it's, it's definitely possible for anyone, as long as you plan out how much you need to save up, what you need to save up and uh, things that you might need to sacrifice, like not driving a car for a year or... Uh, <laughs> Definitely. Whatever it is to, to make ends meet, I would um, definitely recommend it. Alhamdulillah. Now, look, guys, thank you very much, Faraz. Thank you very much, Fazil. You've been great. I've really enjoyed tonight's show. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. 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 Wa al
That was Fazil and Faraz who have been working abroad in uh, Germany and, and studying there and also in, uh, in Saudi Arabia. Now we're reaching the end of the show. I just want to say Jazakallah khair to everyone for tuning in. You've been listening to Late Night Live tonight discussing working abroad, the pros and cons. Uh, we will be back again on Thursday and uh, towards the end of Ramadan. And uh, yeah, I just want to say Jazakallah to all the listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Make sure to visit our Radio Ramadan website at rr365.co.uk to access all of our podcasts. Stay tuned on our social channels for future content. 